part where I say hello. Welcome to We Like It So What. I'm Jamal Murphy here once again with. I am Eric Bethel. Are you Eric Bethel? I think so. Last time I looked at my driver's license, that's what it said. Now, are you sure you're not Eric Bethel from an alternate earth? That's entirely possible. Okay. But if I was an Eric Bethel from an alternate earth, would I look the same? Like, would I be skinny? Would I be fat? Would I be skinny fat? (laughs) You might. Would I have hair? You might. And you might have a goatee. Might. So now, if you have a goatee, that's how you know you're, you're the evil version. Exactly. That's always it's just like you're evil mall. Yeah. I mean, I gotta, you got a little goatee beard go, action go, going go-tee. on. Now, if I was clean shaven, yeah, good, good Jamal. With a little halo above your head? Yeah. Goatee, evil version. That's it. That's it's how like, you know. That's how you can tell the difference. That, that's how you can always tell. That's, that's the mirror version of you. Yeah. So on this episode, we're, we're going to take a trip into the multiverse. We're doing our review somewhat of... Uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Well, for you pervs out there, it's Doctor Strange in the mom. In, in the, the M-O-M. Mom. Hey, we were all in the mom when we saw that movie. You think, uh, how long you think it'll be before there's like the triple X version where it's Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of MILFs or something like that? Yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> That version was probably out when they first announced the movie, I'm sure. That's right. They went right to work, just like those uh, shitty Asylum movies on the Sci-Fi Channel. They don't waste any time. Yeah, if they if the Asylum comes out with one, it'll be like uh, <laughs> Dr. Weird. Yeah. Str- strange, strange doctor. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> that's, exactly. that's probably what it'll be. That's exactly Myst- what it'll mystical be. Mystical doctor. <laughs> Mr. Mystical. So, all right, so we're going to... So we do, I guess by now, movie is in theaters. I guess we can do a uh, spoiler, spoiler-ish I'd, review. I'd say so. I think the cat's already out of the bag for the most part. Yeah, okay. Let's do it. So, I don't know, where should we start? Should we say, let's start with the the, the genesis of this movie? Let's do it. Let's say, because I think originally this movie was supposed to be released before Spider-Man No Way Home. This was kind of the going to be the launching path for this kind of multiverse saga. Well, more or less, WandaVision kind of started, was one part of the storyline. So if anyone out there, they've been watching WandaVision on Disney+, Plus, this was kind of the the impetus for this multiverse saga. We kind of see Wanda Maximoff kind of is displaying her true power as the Scarlet Witch, kind of tapping into levels that she had not tapped into before. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing the potential for how powerful she could really be. And I know a lot of people were watching that show thinking, okay, this this horrible thing is happening in this this town in New Jersey. It's a mystical battle going on. Where's Doctor Strange? You know? And there was always a speculation of, oh, maybe Doctor Strange is going to have a cameo, have maybe he'll appear in the last episode. Yep. That did not happen. So this leads us into Spider Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm which has an appearance by Dr. Strange. He's kind of the, the start of this multiversal breach of villains and characters from previous Spider-Man movies that come in. They meet with the current Spider-Man and Tom Holland. And we get this, you know, this spectacular, no pun intended, amazing, sorry, no pun intended, team up of Tom Holland, Spider-Man, Tobey Maguire, and Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man all together for the first time ever, which... 
as a as a Spider-Man fan, it it almost brought me to tears when I say that. It was a thing of beauty. I know I'm probably going to lose, you know, man points, man cred by saying that, but fuck them. It's the truth. Spider-Man is like that's it my was, homeboy. It was moving, you know? yeah. And it was it was amazing to me to see all of those characters mixed together. Old Sam Raimi villains from those movies, old movies from the Mark Webb movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, old villains from the villains, Mark yeah. Webb movies all together. They did. And, they, they pulled it off. And not only that, the level of talent, the names that were in this movie, Jamie Foxx, Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe. Everybody was back. You no, know, et cetera. Yeah. So we saw that as kind of a, the opening up of the multiverse, the potential for other characters from other movies and other universes to come in and be, you know, blended with the characters that we're knowing now. Mm-hmm. So this leads us into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is weird because that was supposed to come first. Yes. A lot of things got shifted around with COVID, a lot of delays, kind of now Marvel's schedule as far as their movie releases has kind of been shifted a little bit. Mm-hmm. So now we see Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and it's, you know, it's opened up the world even more. In terms of characters and scenarios and alternate Earths and not just one version of Doctor Strange, not just one version of Wanda Maximoff. We're seeing multiple versions. So, Eric, give me your thoughts in in 140 characters or less on Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I thought it was a visual feast for the eyes. Um, You know, even before the movie came out, there was... um, I don't want to say controversy. I think it was it was exciting because even though it, I hated to see Scott Derrickson leave, he was the director, uh, co-writer of the first movie, mm-hmm. which was very, very good. Uh, they brought Sam Raimi in, who I thought was an incredible choice because this seems like you know this would be something in his wheelhouse. You know, given what we've seen from him in the past, whether it be Evil Dead, Army of Darkness, Dark Man, Drag Me to Hell. It seemed like he could, uh, this this would be something he could really sink his teeth into. And boy, did he. Uh, not P. Diddy, but boy, did he. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, like we were discussing uh, before we were on air, that there were certain sequences that, you know, seemed kind of weird because this movie uh, had some additional shooting that was uh, done kind of last minute, I guess, you know, if you will. Certain inconsistencies with certain characters and whatnot, you can kind of see. Well, yeah, um, it was about six what, six weeks worth of? Six weeks worth of reshoots, reshoots yeah. slash additional shooting. Yep. Um, but I don't really think, like, you know, as a whole, it affected my enjoyment of the movie. Just being kind of a, a movie guy, you can see those inconsistencies, you know, and, and you as well. You could notice certain things like, oh, that was a reshoot. But I still, I had a blast watching it. Benedict Cumberbatch is fantastic. It's Doctor Strange. Yeah, I've, I'm a big fan of Benadryl Cabbage Patch as uh, him too, as Doctor Strange. <laughs> um, some people are saying that this is Marvel's first horror movie. I mean, do you think that'd be a safe thing to say? Because it, I don't. It's it's not a full on horror movie. In the third act, it really dips its toe into in, into the horror genre. You know, I like to think. Uh, maybe Thor, The Dark World, and Captain Marvel, those are bigger horror movies than, uh, than Doctor Ouch. Strange 2. Ouch. Ouch. They, they were scary. <laughs> I was scared when I was watching them. That's for sure. 
But yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. The, the what we think of in terms of horror elements, you know, the blood and the guts, the ghosts and the goblins, the scares, all those elements are there in this movie. Yes, more so than than any other you know Marvel film. Which oh, I, yes, I applaud them for that. Yeah, going for what you could call the horror theme, or what you could call the horror, you know. Like you said, dipping its toe yeah. into the horror genre. Especially in the third act. There, yeah. are, there are certain sequences uh, in which Wanda Maximoff is shot. And it looks monstrous. Like when she's in the dark and you see her silhouette and yeah. you see the red eyes. That was incredible. Yeah. It's, it's during a certain chase sequence. If you people go out and see the movie or if you have seen the movie, then you know what I'm talking about. You know, I mean, you, you know exactly the scene I'm referring to. It was shot incredibly well. It was awesome. And even when there are elements you can that are similar to the ring, let's say there's a sequence where Wanda is kind of tra- not, uh, transporting herself through a mirror or mirror-like reflective I never substance. thought about it like that. And her bones are kind of snapping together. Her body's yes, contorting. Yes, you're exactly right. Yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't I didn't piece that together until just now. Yeah, very similar to uh, Samara in the, the ring movies. Yes. Crawling yes. out of the, the very the good point. TV, yes, and it's and it's good that they tried to go for a level of like creepiness to how certain things are playing out. Yeah, because we we're so used to everything in the MCU being kind of you know it's bright and cheerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's scary things, but it's not on the horror side of things. Exactly. Yep. The notion of okay, this giant purple alien. Is attacking that's that's scary, but not on the level of something is crawling up from the ground, or something is crawling out of the shadows and trying right. to get you. Kind of scary. Yeah. So I like that they did go that that kind of avenue. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, there aren't necessarily jump scares. Um, I'm not gonna lie. There was one moment in the movie where I was like, oh, I kind of jumped. Yeah. But it's something. It's something that's coming out of nowhere in terms of the sound design and. Yeah, when it appears on screen, so oh, oh shit. Yeah. yeah, so there's that, but not on that, not in that level of okay, the camera is pointed in one direction and turns another way, and oh, here's this character. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's, that's more of a gimmick, scare. a gimmicky kind of scare. Right. Yeah. Um, what were your initial thoughts when they announced that Sam Raimi was going to be taking over uh, for the sequel? A little bit of hesitance, mm-hmm. but I also knew that. He has a horror pedigree. He yes. also has a superhero movie pedigree. Yes. So it's a walk in the park for him to kind of blend those two together. He's good at both. He's ex- You could say he's excelled at both throughout his career. Now, I was kind of bummed out, too, because you know, Scott Derrickson wanted to direct this. He also has a horror pedigree, a yes. horror background. So I do wonder what the communication breakdown was. You know, that caused him to kind of step away from directing it. He still produced it. Yes. But I wonder what ideas he had that didn't necessarily mesh with what Marvel wanted to do in terms of, you know, what they wanted for the movie and what caused him to kind of walk away from it. And like you were saying earlier, maybe he would have played it a little more straight. Yeah. Because, you know, if you've seen any Sam Raimi movie, you know, there there are parts in his movies where it's. It's kind of quirky. It's kind of goofy, but that's his. That's just his style, you know. Um, and there were certainly you know elements of that in in this movie, Multiverse of Madness. But the first Doctor Strange didn't have any of that quirky, goofy humor. It, it was fairly straightforward. 
Uh, a little, a little bit. Now there's, there's moments like uh, Wong listening to Beyonce. Oh, that's a good point. That yeah. stuff is yeah, kind of there. That's true. Yeah, the Wi-Fi password line. Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So not not entirely without its level of humor. Yeah. But I do I do think yeah the first one did play it a little bit straighter. And I guess that's because it's the first introduction to the character. You want to kind of set the tone for. Mm-hmm the themes and the elements in terms of the aesthetic and all of that, in terms yeah. of how you want the character to look, how you want the character to act and the world you're creating. So mm-hmm. you don't want them to be like, I don't know, not like a, a, a trying to think of a funny doctor. Dr. Giggles. There you go. <laughs> that, I mean, that's a horror movie. It's yeah. about a, about a doctor, but yeah. The dentist. Yeah. Okay. It's another one. All right. <laughs> you, yeah. You don't want to, you don't want them to have the impression of being like Gregory House, right. in A Marvel movie. It, there's a little bit of that to say. Just a tad. Not even on the metatextual level of a British actor doing an American accent. Right. So there's there's that. But yeah. 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 But I truthfully told it's a little bit of that. It's like if Gregory House was a superhero. So look at it, you can look at it that way. Mm-hmm. But it, yeah, for the most part, the first movie does play itself, you know, very straight. Now, this second movie, there are comedic elements, there are horror elements, there's superhero elements, obviously. I would even say, yeah, like in the first, the first sequence of the movie is very much a superhero style very much action so. piece. Very much so. So we start, we see a version of Stephen Strange mm-hmm. that's not the version that we're used to. Defender Strange. Some, yeah, some, some people call him a Defender Strange because mm-hmm. of his kind of red and black costume. Has a ponytail. Yeah. As a and full beard. We, uh, we see that first introduction of America Chavez, a, a character that's kind of brought in from an alternate Earth, meeting with this, this version of Doctor Strange, who's kind of trying to protect her, but also realizes the stakes are very high for what he needs to do. So he kind of not necessarily betrays her, but kind of has to kind of give her up in a way so that he he knows what he has to do. Yeah. So this creature kind of you know, so this you know dangerous creature doesn't get her. So that launches her into the you know, I guess what they what they're calling the six one six Earth, and where we see our normal version of Doctor Strange that we used to kind of still you know, still doing his thing as not the Sorcerer Supreme because the Sorcerer Supreme is Wong, my man Wong. Which is also funny because this is another post-Endgame movie where they don't really get into the specifics of what went on in that five years. I guess you you get the the inference that you know there was a, a void that needed to be filled as far as the Sorcerer Supreme protecting from outer realms and whatnot. So they they give you just enough mm-hmm. to to go on in terms of you know what what Wong's been up to. And then I guess now a little bit of what, what Strange has been up to now. Now that this is taking place after uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home, yeah. So yeah, we got a first like real instance of that comic booky action mixing with the horror, mixing with the sci-fi, and all of that. So it's a very you know, cool sequence, and and also seeing the returns of Michael Stuhlbarge as Nicodemus West and. Rachel McAdams. Yep, as Christine Palmer. Yep, so seeing those characters again, seeing how they're interacting with Strange, what they've been up to more or less. Mm-hmm. 
It's funny that you sent me that whole article about Michael Stuhlbarg getting the the with credit. Yeah, like, that movie. yeah he's, like, he's, he's getting that above the title billing with everybody else, and he only had one scene in this movie. Yeah, was it above the title billing? Yeah, he was he, along with the other cast members. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I I, don't, I didn't think it was that big a deal, honestly. It's just, I mean, not, no one knows who he is. Like, I mean, you know, movie snobs like us, we know who he is. But if you look on the on the poster and it says, with Michael Stuhlbarg, you're like, who the fuck was that? I mean, people you, forget that he was in the first yeah, movie. Yeah, if you, with if a, you saw the first coffee. one, yeah. Yeah. I mean, good for him and good on his agent, you know, for getting him that credit like that. Because yeah. he didn't have a credit like that in the first movie. He was in this one roughly the same amount of time. Yeah, one scene. One scene. I want to say he was in one scene in the uh, in the first movie. That's man. I think you're correct, sir. Hey, work work is work. work hey, that's it. Job is a job. That's Whatever. it. He got paid. So yeah, it was. It's interesting to see all of these kind of horror elements and all the characters kind of come back together, and we're kind of seeing how the multiverse is being explored in this movie. So as this kind of this big action sequence works out with Doctor Strange fighting this kind of tentacled one-eyed monster. Mm-hmm. The bands of Sidorak. You know, I realized what I just said sounded incredibly uh, incre- incredibly weird. Did it? What'd you say? I said a tentacled one-eyed monster. Well, I, that's, mean, I hey, mean, that's what it was. That's what it was, man. You know? Not not Shumagorath, as you, most you, people thought it was. It was uh, Gargantos. Right. It was Gargantos, yes. I thought it was Shumagorath. No, they're both they're both villains in the Marvel mm-hmm. universe, but they look very similar. Yeah. So yeah, this is and this starts the whole thing of Strange meets America Chavez. He finds out her background, and then f- says, "Okay, well, maybe I can you know find someone who can help me with this." So he goes to visit Wanda Maximoff, who's in her secluded apple orchard. Mm-hmm. To herself, this is kind of the aftermath it's all of an illusion. Yeah, this yeah. Is the aftermath of what happens in West Division. Yeah, and this kind of starts us on this whole big multiversal journey. It's oh, let's not forget America Chavez. She can summon uh, star-shaped portals. Yeah, where she can jump in between uh, multiverses, which is a really cool effect. So for yeah, so for those who aren't aware, America Chavez is a character I think was introduced uh, maybe early twenty tens, and. It's a very powerful character, has a, has the ability to travel through multiverses, and like Eric said, can kind of punch a star-shaped hole and travel through multiversal portals. She's a member of the Young Avengers, so this is another instance of the MCU slowly building up to Young Avengers. So we've already seen, if you've seen Hawkeye, Kate Bishop is there. If you've seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you see uh, Eli Bradley, Isaiah, Isaiah Bradley's grandson. Yep, Billy and Tommy, Wanda's sons. They're they're also members of Young Avengers. Not, not those partic- this particular version, but it's always a possibility that they could be aged up and a little bit older and brought into the fold. So we see the action of the movie kind of propelled forward as we see Wanda's true nature mm-hmm. and see everything that's happening. She's been trying to amass power and spells and trying to find a way to get back the sons that she lost. Because she's still coping. She's been coping this whole time. Right. 
It's also very weird that this movie was released on Mother's Day weekend. You're right. You know, <laughs> Dr. Strange in, in the, the MOM. I didn't, I did not notice that. Nice until little, now. you know, this would, that would have been a Son nice a little bit of marketing <laughs> synergy. would have. This Mother's Day yep. into the multiverse. I don't know why, they, why didn't Marvel Studios do that? That would have been perfect they could marketing have capitalized for Mother's on Day. That. Absolutely. So yeah, we see Wanda's like true nature. She's more or less the villain of the story. She is because even before this came out, you know, you know no one really knew who the villain was going to be. Was it going to be Wanda? Was it going to be Cathan? Was it going to be, um, oh my God, there were a bunch of different people. Um, Mephisto, I'm pretty sure his name was thrown out there, of course. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. You know? It could have been Mordo, but we see a version of Carl Mordo in yes. this movie. Yeah, which we'll get further get into further, like a little in a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's interesting you know, to see her as a villain and see her more or less her power developing and, and expanding, the level of influence she can kind of have, not just in this this universe, but also extending across, you know, other universes. Yeah, and she can get inside your head too. Yeah. So they, they, you see this concept in the movie of dream walking, what allows a person on one earth to inhabit the body of someone on an alternate earth and control them as they would like a puppet. So you see that as one of, one of Wanda's abilities accessed by, you know, spells in the dark hold. The dark hold is a kind of a, a book of magic spells Mostly used for evil. We've seen that referenced in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. We saw it in WandaVision. WandaVision. I think it's been referenced on uh, the Runaways, the Hulu Mm -hmm. series. So it it comes into play in a big way in this movie. Um, And it's it's interesting to see what she's able to do, not just on this earth, but also on other earths. So, you know, showing her as like one of the most powerful characters in the MCU Right up there with, you know, in terms of power levels, say Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. Doctor Strange, Thor, Phoenix. and probably Phoenix, probably tons of other characters we haven't even, haven't even seen yet. Yeah. But yeah, it was interesting to see her as a villain. It's like, and you've kind of seen her gradual turn as the story goes on. Let's say from Age of Ultron, which is the first time we see her. Well, if I wanted to be technical, I would say the, the end credit scene of. Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yes. But in Age of Ultron is that first instance of her being a villain. Yeah. And she makes the kind of the gradual turn as the story goes on. And she's been a hero kind of ever since. But you've now, also been able to see her her powers evolve too. Yeah. Um, an instance of that was when she um, uh, took out Vision in Civil War. Well, she didn't take out Vision in Civil War, but she... You know, we saw her display a level of power against Vision that we had never seen before, just letting us know, okay, like, this chick is not to be trifled with if she can do this to Vision, you know? So every time we've seen her, we've seen her powers really begin to to, to uh, get stronger and manifest themselves in itself in, um, in, in new different ways. Yeah, and same for Doctor Strange. You've kind of that seen too. his power expand and increase as the movies have gone on. Definitely a highlight of uh, Infinity War. Yes. Valley had little Bally had versus uh, Thanos. Yep. On uh, on Titan. Yep. Yep. 
And so it's interesting to see his power kind of, like I said, develop over time. Mm-hmm. But you could say his char- his character has more or less stayed consistent. There hasn't been a villainous turn in any way in terms of he has this power and now he's using it for a nefarious purpose. Mm-hmm. But you remember when this movie, let's say when Spider-Man No Way Home came out and a lot of people were saying, oh, why is, that, why is Doctor Strange acting so funny? I, I bet it's the one from What If? And it was not. It was not. It was the same Doctor Strange. Now, you could say with What If, What If is one of those programs on Disney Plus. It's kind of, it's it really kind of laid the groundwork for the multiverse more than anything else. Yes, because there are elements of that show in this movie. Yeah, and there are there are characters and there are moments that are that are more or less kind of paid off in this movie. Mm-hmm. So we see. Uh, Captain Carter, a version of Peggy Carter that takes the super soldier serum and that series she's, you know, introduced in live action in this movie. I know we're we're once again played by Haley Atwell. Yeah, yeah, we'll probably be kind of jumping around from place to place, but just to give people an idea of how let's say how one show relates to the other. Yeah, we get a further kind of expansion of the multiverse that kind of start like I said, kind of started in what if and we see it in this movie kind of played out. On a on a larger scope. Now we didn't see any we didn't see any watchers. No watchers. No I vision. I wouldn't and no, no vision. No, no white vision. How about that? No uh, no black vision either. Him either. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen even like maybe a, a small cameo from Jeffrey Wright's version of the Watcher. Yeah. Now in this movie they kind of they go through an animated world for like a quick second. Oh yeah. There's a big kind of multiversal sequence where. America, Chavez, and Stephen Strange are kind of launched through the multiverse, and they kind of go through about seven or eight different worlds before they kind of land. It's in in a Earth Earth eight three eight three eight. It was a stunning sequence. Yeah, it was pretty, it was a bit, would have been interesting to see because a lot I've seen a lot of people say that they don't explore the multiverse enough. It let's say it's not really playing up the title "Multiverse of Madness." Madness to me implies that. There are strange worlds that are hard to explain, hard to comprehend, they're hard to kind of fathom because it's it's rushing at you all at once. You're in one world one minute and then you're in you're in one world the next. They kind of very very quickly kind of gloss over it. Not True. necessarily gloss over it, but you're not exploring the multiverse enough. Right. But the the madness aspect comes from Wanda. Yeah, yeah, more or less, yeah. Yeah. So we're going to further explore the multiverse on this episode of We Like It So What. So we'll be right back right after this. And we're back. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, with going deeper into mom. Yeah. <laughs> the multiverse of madness. Yeah. More We Like It So What. Yeah. We're going deep. So yeah, as a quick reminder, as always... Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at We Like It So What. It's all one word. So keep up with all the latest updates, all the latest goings on, whatever, on whatever earth you're on. Listen to We Like It So What. So yeah, getting back to our review, analysis, deep dive. What what is deep, deep, deep? Okay. Deep inside. 
Uh, yeah, I didn't know the what, kind of, what, kind of mo- what kind of motion you were making there, Eric. Okay. Deep, like with my fist deep. We're okay. going deep inside. We're going to, we're, we're probing uh, this movie. Okay, so yeah, let's, I don't know, we're, we're jumping around a little bit, but okay, let's get into one of the major talking points oh, of yes. this, uh, this, this movie. Let's do it. We see our first introduction of the Illuminati. Which was a in the comics. This is a group of you know figureheads from, let's say, all the major Marvel teams. We have Mister Fantastic, we have Black Bolt, we have Professor Charles Xavier, Tony Stark, Namor the Submariner. They are basically a group of individuals brought together to kind of stop cataclysms before they happen. Mm-hmm. They're more or less the best of the best, trying to stop the worst of the worst. And some things they do for the better and some things they do for, for the worse. They're, they're kind of a launching point for uh, the Planet Hulk storyline, which launches into World War Hulk. Um, but yeah, we see a version of the Illuminati in this movie, which is made up of characters that are familiar and which is kind of made up of characters that are kind of appearing for the first time in the MCU. Uh, like, so like we previously said, we see a version of Captain Carter, played by Haley Atwell. Now, whether or not this is the same Captain Carter from the What If series, maybe not. That remains to be seen. So we see a version of that. We see a version of Black Bolt, which we previously saw from the Inhumans uh, series on ABC. Mm-hmm. Once again, played by Anson Mount, surprisingly. I didn't think that with the response that show got, that he would come back, or he, he'd be even willing to come back. And reprise his role as that character, but I—it was a, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll say it was a welcome surprise. Yes, it was. And we see him in a costume that is full on pulled from the comics. Oh yeah, even the, down to the tuning fork on his forehead. Yeah, the tuning fork, the the black suit with the silver wing accents looks. I I will say personally, I think it looks awesome. It, yes, it is. Black Bolt's design in the comics is one of those that all the elements I think work together. They fit so well in terms of the black and the silver and the wings and how everything kind of, it adds a level of power and kind of majesty to the character. Mm-hmm. And so we see a version of Captain Marvel played by Lashana Lynch, who was previously in the first Captain Marvel movie. Monica Rambo. Maria Rambo. Maria Rambo. that's right. Monica is her daughter. Yes. Uh, Photon, that's right. So this is just like an alternate version. Let's say if Maria was the one who was kind of imbued with cosmic power not cosmic power uh, some something like it. it's hard her powers are always kind of hard to explain in, mm-hmm. in the comics anyway so anyway so we see a version of carl mordo master mordo played by chutel as you're for mm-hmm. i think wearing the same wig that uh <laughs> idris elba was wearing now really this, this might have been the same wig that shamar Moore was wearing in uh diary of a, Ma- mad, diary black of a mad black woman with, with with some extensions to make it a little longer. That's it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I was, like I was telling you, that's how you know if you're a black character, black male <laughs> character in the MCU. That's how you know some time has passed. Dreadlocks or cornrows <laughs> or fro. Grow some, some dreads. Get a beard, yeah, maybe full beard. Yep, dry looking beard. And so yeah, so we see a version of Professor Charles Xavier, played once again by Patrick Stewart, the legendary Sir Patrick Stewart. Because I think some fans were asking James McAvoy, is he in this movie? He said, Flav said, no. So, no appearance by James McAvoy. Although it's a possibility, 
if he wanted to come back, maybe if he saw, you know, something interesting or an aspect of the character he could play again, be willing to shave his head again to play Charles Xavier, maybe he could come back. Yeah. But but we were also told by Carl Mordo that this was Charles Xavier. He did not make any mention of the X-Men whatsoever. Yeah, he did not say the words X or men. No, he did not. In the movie at all, nope. as but, far as I know. But we did see Charles Xavier in the iconic yellow hover chair, wearing his green suit with the striped tie from the uh, original animated series of the X-Men. Yeah, and the score by Danny Elfman. Had a little bit of a yes, a little bit of a throwback to that uh that thing, yeah. Ah, yeah, that gave me chills. I loved it. And finally, uh, one member of the Illuminati that I'm sure a lot of people were hoping to see. This might be the big one. Yeah, you know. So we had John Krasinski. You know, surprise. Well, not su- some some surprisingly some yes. welcomingly playing a version of Reed Richards leader of the Fantastic Four. So the fan casting, the internet, you know, hubbub, all the internet, you know, fervor for him playing Mr. Fantastic is kind of finally come true to fruition. Mm-hmm. Some somewhat. Yeah. And I must say it was interesting to see him as Reed Richards because I liked the design of the suit they used for yes, this movie. I did too. It's the kind of the classic black and blue but there's elements that are very MCU-ish. Mm-hmm. When I say MCU-ish, there's a, I think there's a particular design aesthetic they use for absolutely some characters' suits, depending on what it is. There's a very kind of modern militaristic design yep. they use for some characters, and yep. then some are very kind of streamlined, and it's about lines and symmetry and kind of making it very kind of high-tech in a way. Yeah. So... I like the design of the suit. Now, whether or not that's the design they use for this Fantastic Four movie coming up, you know, that re- like I said, that remains to be seen. So it was, you know, it was a nice surprise. If you, if you're not already tied into internet news, keeping up with spoilers, and if you're not one of those people who's an asshole and just reveals a spoiler the day before the movie comes out, yeah, this would have been a nice surprise to see, and I think it got a you know pretty good reaction. Yeah, when we saw it. At least in the theater we went. Mm-hmm. Now it stands to reason that someone, someone else in some other theater, that may have been zero reaction. They probably didn't even know who he was. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan of The Office, I mean, you you know who John Krasinski is. Yeah, or if Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan, quite the Quiet Place movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, A Quiet Place. A if quiet you're a fan place. of those movies. So I mean, there's also the you know the buzz of could he direct this Fantastic Four movie coming up now that John Watts is kind of vacated? I mean, that's a possibility. Who knows? So, I, know yeah. people, I know people were making a big deal of, of the fact that um, after season four of Jack Ryan, he'll be done, but he only signed a four year uh, a four season deal for that show. Yeah, and they're like, well, you know, since he only did he's only doing four seasons, would that free up time for him to do a Fantastic Four movie? Who knows? Um, uh, he, he's a very great director, writer-director, and I'd like to think that if he did decide to take on the, the task of, of helming a Fantastic Four movie, he'd also want to have a hand in writing it. Uh, he's a very good writer, and um, and as I said before, he's a very good director. So who knows if that's going to happen? I'd imagine that'd be a difficult task to produce, write, direct, and star 
in a big tempo movie like that, but I think he could do it. You know, it's just a question of of if. Yeah, or, you know, get a director that you trust with that property and just have him star in it. Yeah. Maybe co write it. Yeah. I don't you don't want another like Ben Affleck as Batman situation where right. he's gonna write and star and direct and it's a heavy load to carry for one person. I think yes. you know, there's enough talent out there that I think you can kind of share the wealth and let people kind of take over where I agree. And you don't want someone to kind of fall behind where they're trying to do too much. Yeah. I mean, would we have liked to have seen that? Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes, you no, know, things work out for the best. So we see this version of the Illuminati, and there's been a lot of talk about that, and their appearance in this movie is kind of more or less very brief because they're all yeah. wiped out in more or less very horrific ways by the Scarlet Oh, Witch. Yes. So there's a version of Wanda that is able to dreamwalk into a version on this Earth 838. And she sees that she's trying to eliminate all threats. Sees and the Illuminati. Boy does she. Sees the Illuminati as a threat. And there's a little bit of hubris in there because I think the Illuminati don't see her as big a see her as big of a threat. More or less as they see Stephen Strange as a as a possible threat. They pay for that shit. So, yeah. So, we see a flashback, more or less, where we see a version of Thanos that was defeated by the Illuminati, defeated by a version of Doctor Strange on Earth 838, who's kind of praised as a hero, but that's all a bit of a fallacy because the the truth is his power grew too great for trying to access dark magic, trying to access the powers of the dark hold. So, he had to be eliminated by the Illuminati. And even in that instance, we we see the potential for Black Bolt in terms of how powerful that character is. Yes. So for anyone that doesn't know, Black Bolt is able to emit a sonic scream, but the level at which is so powerful that it could destroy a city. So he has to be careful with how he uses his power. So the merest whisper could blow a hole through a wall or a door. Or a mountain. Or a mountain. So depending on how powerful, you know, he's choosing to use his power depending, you know, or, could, or in this case, channel it or, or the focus of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's as simple as him saying, Hey, and it could, you know, that's it. Knock a hole through a wall. Yeah. But if he lets out a full screen that could destroy a city. Mm-hmm. So, and this is one of those things where I was thinking of in terms of characters that are powerful, because we see want to take these characters out in rapid succession and in quick fashion. But it, it made me think of if you introduce a character that is so powerful that you have to cheat as a means to defeat that character, then what's the point of having that character in the story? So just like every time you see Superman in the story, yes, Superman can wipe out the bad guys, you know, like that, save the day. Let's all go get, you know, tea and crumpets or whatever. So you have to introduce, okay, oh, here's some, oh, look at this kryptonite we found. Mm-hmm. So there's that. There's, oh, this magic spell that works on Superman that is turning his powers, you know, inside out and upside down. So there's a lot of that in this movie in Multiverse of Madness uh, that I noticed. You introduce a character like Black Bolt that's incredibly powerful. Reed Richards is incredibly smart, but he's also kind of giving away 
a tactical advantage, more or less. Charles Xavier is another character that they always kind of cheapen out. Every time you see Xavier in the movie, it's like, oh, well, he got hit with this yeah. knockout dart. Oh, there's <laughs> some cocktail that Mystique put in Cerebro that's messing up his body. I'm like, what the hell? Every time they do. And I guess I see it as. You, you know why? Why? Because movie. Because story. That's it. But yeah, it makes sense because, like, you know, if this character is, like I said, just like Superman, this character is so powerful that. There has to be a weakness somewhere. It's a, you know. And, and how, a, how can it be exploited? It's an easy out. Yep. So you have to kind of create a villain or another character who's even more powerful. Or, or MacGuffin. Yeah, or one step ahead to, you know, bring it, bring it down a, a peg. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but this shows, you know, the. The potential and how powerful Wanda is as a as a villain or as a villainous character, but also you know the threat has been established now. Well, it was established on the kind of the the massacre at Carmitage in this movie, but it's also kind of established even more so when she wipes out the Illuminati. Yeah. So some people will kind of they'll be okay with it, and in, in terms of okay, man. Well, it's not, it sets up how powerful Wanda is, but some people will also have a problem with it in terms of this is the first time these characters have been introduced, like why are they being taken out? But then it also goes to, I think, you know, our friend Luke brings up the argument of what's the, what are, where are the stakes if you can just kind of introduce another character on another Earth? Mm-hmm. This character dies, oh, we can just introduce another one and it's all good. Right. Does mean anything. Yeah. It's just like when I think of prequels, when you think of a prequel story, just like the Obi-Wan series is coming up, you know ultimately nothing bad is going to happen to Obi-Wan because you know he he's going to survive. Yeah. So the only thing that can really happen is that you introduce new characters. Go on this journey that we've never seen before. Yeah, and who aren't previously established so they can be killed off whatever can happen to them because they don't, in the grand scheme of things, they don't matter. But the main characters, let's say Obi-Wan, Darth Vader. I mean, Darth Vader could stub his toe in the movie and feel bad about it for five minutes, but you ultimately know that's not going to affect anything going forward. Correct. So just like Obi-Wan could have a drunken binge on Tatooine and bang three or four hookers, and it's all right because that's yeah. not going to affect anything else that, that's going forward. But the difference is, it's not an alternate version of Obi-Wan. It's just a younger version. Yes. More or less in this movie. Yes, we see, you know, Charles Xavier killed. We see Black Bolt killed. Reed Richards killed. But it's okay. Because somewhere else, yeah. they're still out there. Now, yeah, we haven't seen the 616 versions of those characters. If not they yet. If they are there. If they even exist. Yeah. So that's always a possibility. The big thing and another big sticking point for this movie is a lot of people were hoping that this would be the starting point, the launch pad for introducing the X-Men. Did not happen. Nope. The closest thing we got to that was that little, was the theme that Danny Elfman played when Xavier showed up. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, because how, how do we know he even, he even has a version of X-Men right. on, on that earth? We don't know that. But yeah. Eric, your what were your impressions of seeing the Illuminati? Well, at least let's say this version of the Illuminati in the movie. I thought it was really cool. Um, that was, you know, they tried to keep that very 
on the Lolo about, you know, some of the cameos. And there was a there was a statement that I've been hearing where this movie was going to have more cameos and surprises than uh, Infinity War Endgame and No Way Home combined. Oh, well, yeah. We heard a lot of that. We, like, uh, we were going to see Tom, really. Tom, Tom Cruise yeah, as, 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 as Tony Stark. Yeah, Superior Iron Man, which didn't happen. Would I have liked to have seen it? Absolutely. Because, you know, for those of you who are in the know, for years, Tom Cruise was attached to play Iron Man when New Line Cinema held the rights to the character. Um, and then once um, Marvel, by way of Paramount, uh, about the rights to the to the Iron Man character, you know, Tom Cruise, you know, he was no longer a part of that project. He still remained with Paramount through his Mission Impossible franchise. But uh, as we all know, uh, the role of Iron Man went to Robert Downey Jr. Uh, but I would have loved to have seen a Tom Cruise cameo, but he was oddly enough filming Mission Impossible, so he couldn't do it. I think he would have done it if he would have you know, found the time in his schedule. But yep. but um, no. But as far as the cameos that we did see, uh, I had a blast with them. Um, it was. I gotta admit, I did not expect to see them get dispatched so uh, so brutally. But I loved it. Yep. I loved every minute of it. Let me see. And what was another one? It was Emily Blunt was uh, rumored to be playing yeah. Black Widow because yeah. she was she was going to be Black Widow in Iron Man 2, had to drop out so that she could do Gulliver's Travels. I kind of wish on an alternate Earth she didn't do that and did do this movie. Yeah. So that would have been interesting to see. Yeah. I but, then, I, but then people were pegging her to be Sue Storm. Yeah. And, and she's married to John Krasinski. Yep, and there's that nod to Sue Storm in the movie because he mentions that he has a wife and, and, and kids. kids. Yeah, so the kids thing I thought was very interesting. Yep. So that version is well established. The Fantastic Four family is kind of well established, I guess, on that earth. So mm-hmm. will they do the same thing for this uh, movie coming up? I mean, who knows? But yeah, I th- and this is this is the thing like with with internet speculation because. What's the basis of the rumor? Is it all based in something true? Or is it just based in someone wants to stir the pot and get people talking, get the rumor mill churning? So how how true was it that Tom Cruise right. could have played a version of Iron Man? There's something I heard a while back. It someone someone said uh, we can't let we can't let speculation become expectation, which is true, right? Because you know, there were all these rumors of, you know, this person is going to be in it. That person is going to be in it. No, it didn't happen. And maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, even uh, t- people say, oh, Tobey Maguire is going to be in this. Right. Yeah. Oh, he's going to be reunited with Sam Raimi again. Nope, didn't happen. Uh, no. Alexander Skarsgård is going to play Thor? No. Nope. None of that happened. Which, in a way, I mean, I'm fine with it. Yeah, yeah, me too. When you look at it in the grand scheme of things, where would these cameos fit in? And we wouldn't want it to be like the um, the big crossover event on the CW, um, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? Where you have these alternate versions of heroes that just show up and say one thing, and then okay, well, we don't see them again. It doesn't mean anything. It, it has no; those cameos have no impact uh, uh, on, on the story itself or, or moving the narrative forward. It's just, Hey, we got this person for a couple of hours. Right. Let's shoot a couple of scenes with this person. And Oh, boom, look at that. It's Tom Welling from Smallville. 
Well, yeah, hell, but then it hell, didn't mean anything. They might have done the same thing uh, for the Illuminati in this movie, right? Might have had everybody there for a couple of days. Yep. Shoot a shoot a few scenes, and bam, there you go. But it's got to mean something. And I think I think that we saw this version of the Illuminati just so we can see how strong and powerful Wanda is because of how she killed all of them. Yep. That's it. So like I was saying earlier, I think if the MCU had started or restarted everything after Endgame, there would be more meaning to building up the Illuminati. And when you say restart, elaborate on that, please, sir. Now, most people won't, they probably won't really think of it on this level. When I say restart after Endgame, I mean completely wipe the slate clean. Where Endgame, it ended on a note that if that was the last time you saw those versions of that character, you'd be fine with it. Everyone kind of, yes, Tony Stark made the ultimate sacrifice, but it was for the greater good. Yes. And more or less, every other character is left on, on a good note. And if stories continue, then you know, so be it. But why I say that, I mean in terms of Marvel now has all of those characters under one umbrella. Yep. So to wipe the slate clean and start over, I mean start over from square one. First Avengers movie, first Fantastic Four movie, first X-Men movie, Spider-Man, et cetera. So when you, when you start to build up teams like the Illuminati, Fantastic Four, all of that. Now you have a stronger basis for building those characters up. So when people want the X-Men, and just like I was telling you, when they want the X-Men, it's like you want everything. You want the danger room. You want the mansion. You want the jet. You want the costumes. But all of this stuff has to come from somewhere. It can't just come out of nowhere. You have to have a basis for why it exists. And it's not just, oh, merging the, the universes. That's a to me that's a it's a cheap way out. If in this movie, let's say if there was an event where all the well multiple Earths had merged together and there was one Earth, you know, eight seventy that was a, a mixture of two different Earths, and on that Earth Earth eight seventy, this is where the X Men are, then it's like you can say, Okay. So when you see the X Men in their solo movie, whatever, and the mansion is already there and the students are there, the the jet is the already jet, there. Yeah. It's because, yeah, it's because this, this earth was merged with something else. But I say when you wipe the slate clean, there's a way to you know build the X-Men from the ground up. And all those elements, they, they're introduced over time, and it's not just something that's just there, you know, kind of randomly put in because you wanted to see it. So I think it would have been an interesting... You know, venture to take if you restarted the MCU, get different actors in there. Maybe actors that lost out on that role previously could come back and play the role, play that role later on. So different stories you can tell, adventures and whatever. So this that's what I mean by, you know, wiping the slate clean more or less for the MCU. If they had rebooted everything after Endgame, would have been a risky, maybe a risky proposition, but it happens in the comics all the time. So just like you get different creative teams working on a, on Iron Man or Captain America, or whatever. So this would be to me. This would wouldn't have been any different, right? Comics get rebooted all the time. All the time, universes get rebooted and merged, timelines get merged. Everything, 
I don't think it would have been that bad a decision to make. But yeah, we talk about uh, uh, Sam Raimi as a director. You can see his influence is very strong in this movie. Especially in the third act. In the third act, especially with the horror elements mixed with a little bit of the comedy, mixed with the superhero stuff. Quirkiness. Yeah. So how, how do you think Sam Raimi worked as a director Let's say in this Doctor Strange MCU, I think universe. he did. I think he did phenomenal. Um, like I said, especially in, in in the third act when it takes more of a horror, a hor- a horrific turn, um, with you know character deaths, certain you know, certain other characters, certain characters who are dead and come back to life. Um, it was really neat seeing flavors of like I said before, Evil Dead, Dark Man, Drag Me to Hell. You know, seeing those elements in this movie, it was really cool. And uh, not to mention, not only him, but uh, Danny Elfman doing the score. Yeah, saw Danny Elfman. Elfman. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see which you know what direction they take going forward and if Sam Raimi comes back to do the third movie. Because this, this doesn't really end on the, the happy note that the first movie does, I guess, where, okay, well, we got this new hero. Everything's going to be okay. Now, this has a kind of an abrupt ending. It does. And you don't really know where we're going next. And, and, but you get, I mean, you may have an idea during the mid-credit sequence when a uh, certain other cameo happens. It's uh, Charlize Theron playing Clea. Uh, and we get a glimpse of the dark dimension that we saw in the first movie. And... Maybe we go off into another adventure in the dark dimension. Who knows? But I would absolutely love to see Sam Raimi come back and do the third movie. Uh, some people don't like his style. Um, some people think that it overshadowed a lot of a lot of what was going on in the movie. Me personally, I didn't. I didn't really, you know, think of it like that because if you hire somebody like him, then you're going to get all of him. The same with Taika Waititi, James Gunn. They all have certain uh, a certain uh, uh, visual flair, a certain style they bring to their movies that is uniquely them. And this movie is uniquely Sam Raimi. And I, I think that um, that uh, it was to the movie's benefit they got someone like him who is uh, uh, very stylistic. And I hope that uh, they bring him back for the third movie and maybe not, you know, really turn it up a notch. Yeah. But you know, keep some cons- keep some consistency. But also give us maybe something we haven't seen before. You think if uh, Sam Raimi doesn't come back, you think they'll get Brett Ratner? Uh, we don't want any directors for hire <laughs> on, on, on the MCU movies. No, we we want we want uh, auteurs. No, we we want to have directors who have a sense of ownership and authorship of their movies, like a Sam Raimi. I, I hope he comes back. Well, I mean, if I mean if. If they get Brett Ratner in there, I mean, he'll we, we don't want to play uh, cleanup man. Yeah, yeah, we don't want that. Okay. We don't want him. We don't want Stephen Summers. No directors for hire. We need a director where you can, you can like on frame one, it's like, yep, okay, I know who, I know who made this movie. Or what if? What know, if? What if Scott Derrickson could come back for the third one? That'd be great too. But would it? Would we have this? Would we would we have that same continuity from this movie, from the Sam Raimi movie? Because you know, different directors they don't. If you have a director who did the first movie and they bring someone in different on the second movie, 
they're going to look different. They're going to look totally different for the most part. Take take the Blade movies for example. Uh, Stephen Norrington did the first movie. It was it was drenched in you know deep colors, blacks, blues. Then Guillermo del Toro does Blade Two. It's more golds, ambers. Yeah. The style's totally different. And reds, That's, yeah. Reds. It's not a bad thing. It's just it's just a visual a, a change in the visual aesthetic. That's completely different than what we've seen before. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, given that Scott Derrickson did the first movie, um, I mean, I'd love to see him come back as well. Um, that's if he wants to. I mean, I think he likes. I think he likes doing his own thing. He has a horror movie coming out this summer called The Black Phone. Um, that looks really interesting. Uh, where he had total control over that production. I think that's probably something he wants if he was to come back. Uh, and do a Doctor Strange 3, I'm pretty sure that he'd want to have a little more creative control uh, over that production and 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 make sure that his vision is executed the same way Sam Raimi's vision was executed because this movie is is 100% Sam Raimi. Yeah, another one you didn't mention is uh, all the Thor movies. All yes. done by different directors. Yep. And even uh, it was it was lucky. It was a bit of luck for the Spider Man movies all had the same director. Now you could say same for Ant Man, same for yeah. Guardians. Uh, well, two Captain America movies, both directed by the uh, by, uh the Russos. Russos. Yeah. yeah. So it's a good bit of luck to have a director that stays on is consistent. So that way the vision is consistent. Right. It's not a kind of a tonal change. It's like in the way the Thor movies have kind of had a. A bit of a tonal change, yeah. From you know more more or less serious to comedy, and you can tell, and more color, more kind of fantastical elements. Well, the, those directors brought their sensibilities, which, yeah. as a director, should you know, you look at the first Thor, which is directed by Kenneth Branagh. He he is uh, he's a Shakespeare guy, you know, and you can you can sense that in the first Thor movie. Then you have Alan Taylor with Thor: The Dark World. He uh, directed a lot of episodes of Game of Thrones. I, I didn't really see like that Game of Thrones aesthetic with Thor: The Dark World, which no. I don't mind. Thor: The Dark World. I'd rather watch that than Captain Marvel, to be honest. It's crazy how that's like the what we call the bottom tier for uh, yes MCU movies. Yeah, if you had to put it on in those terms. Yeah. Um, but then you go into. Thor Ragnarok by Taika Waititi, and he brought all of his sensibilities in with Taika Waititi. Waititi, not Waititi, like as in like a okay. boob. Waititi, was, that's his last you, name. Yeah. He's from New Zealand. Okay, oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I knew that. Yeah, he's okay. a Kiwi. But um, and we're gonna get we're gonna get that same style with Thor: Love and Thunder. So, so yeah, I mean, like you said, it just depends on the director. You don't want, I mean, you don't want to have such a stark tonal shift where it's it's like you're looking at something completely just like, what the hell is this? Yeah, like if if Christopher Nolan directed Batman Begins and then they got, I don't know, John Woo to direct The Dark Knight. Yeah, but what? What's that? Who? Why does the what? Joker have two guns yeah. and where are the doves? <laughs> that that could have happened. You know, there's a lot of slow motion. Then you get Steven Spielberg comes in and direct, directs uh, The Dark Knight Rises. Right. And it'll have... The happiest of happy endings. Yep. But yeah, if if Sam Raimi comes back, I'm you know I'm I'm down with that. Yeah. If Scott Derrickson comes back, I'm down with that. If they find someone else who can 
let's say maintain the horror elements, but also because I think this one, if it goes into the dark dimension, and that's another thing. It's like, do we want to wait another six years before we see? Let's hope not. Doctor Strange three. Let's hope not. But if 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 Derrickson doesn't come back, if Sam Raimi doesn't come back, should they continue to get another horror guy? Because because given given you know the material, that's better suited for someone whose whose wheelhouse is horror. Wouldn't um, you say? Yeah, I'm thinking of a few right now, like uh, Fede Alvarez. Maybe oh, Adam, very Adam, interesting. Uh, Adam Wingard's the horror director. Oh, great choice. Um, if he can get away from the Kong, the Monsterverse. Well, now they, they do. They, you know, they're working on that they, sequel, they, they, too. They, they got him locked in with that. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of guys in there. Yeah. That could that could do it. I don't know why the fuck my voice just went up a couple octaves. It's, it's okay. You, you pulled a Terry Gravely. Shaq. <laughs> but yeah, there's a couple of guys that if they couldn't get either of them, Derrickson or Raimi, yeah. you know, maybe, yeah, maybe that's an, it's an, it's an interesting notion. Keep with the horror theme, but also they're going into the dark dimension. You know, what is it? There's, what there's, there's fantasy in there too. Uh, we know it means lots of, lots of green screen. Oh yeah. We're going to shoot all this in a, in a studio somewhere. Yeah. We'll, we'll worry about special effects later. Yeah. <laughs> so we might see a lot of that, but also, the next appearance of Doctor Strange, we don't really know. It's got to be. It's got to be soon. I, yes. I also think you don't want to have someone on the level like Charlie's Theron, who's there, kind of in a one-off scene, mm-hmm. and then something there's a breakdown somewhere, and then she never appears again. Right. You want to kind of strike while the iron is hot. That's it. So if they have a secret, hell, if they have a sequel out in the next two years. You know, I I'll, I'll be perfectly fine with that. Keep keep it in people's minds. Yeah, you know. But then, he, like I said, there's that six year gap in between the first Doctor Strange movie and this one. But that means you know Doctor Strange has been busy. Yes, he's appeared for the movies in between that time. Yeah. So it's not you know we we've seen him. He's been around. Yeah. But yeah, do they need to wait another six years? No, I don't. I don't think so. Especially now that we don't. We don't know like what the end game is going to be going forward, you know, whereas the other movies, you know, we saw where all the roads were leading. Now we don't. Yeah. And that's, that's been one point of contention for a lot of people for, which I, I don't mind. It. I yeah. think, I think it's fine that we don't know what we know what's going to happen next. Yeah. You know, they're not, some people feel as if they're not building up to whatever the large threat is going to be right away. There are like multiple smaller threats that are introduced in these movies. Some are kind of like one off and then some are kind of looming in the background. So, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's a ways off whatever their big end game event is going to be for phase four, phase five, whatever. I mean, that, that remains to be seen. A lot of people right. think Secret Wars is the thing they're going to build up to. Well, we got Secret Invasion coming. Uh, yeah, we yeah that's uh, coming in from Disney+. Plus. And there's still characters like, uh, the fan, like I said, the Fantastic Four have yet to be introduced, the X-Men, a new version of the Avengers. If they try to build on the characters they have now, you know, what's that team going to look like going forward? And how will they blend with everything else like the X-Men and Avengers and... You know, whatever the larger threat is going to be. 
But whatever it is, I mean, I'm you know, I'm I'm gonna stick with it. A lot yeah. of people are they're talking about oh, the woke Marvel, Marvel isn't what it used to be, and and all of that. So you hear, I, you, I couldn't roll my eyes harder at that. You hear point. a lot of that online chatter, and then some people thinking as as the MCU kind of lost its way because they're not sticking with the original characters. They're kind of introducing all these new characters that a lot of people aren't really gravitating That's towards. That's a good thing. It's like I told you earlier, Marvel has a deep bench. Who who knew who the Guardians of the Galaxy were before that movie came out? I did. Well, other than you. Uh, Not a lot of people. Yeah. Because they were considered like, you know, like, you know, B characters, B, C-level characters. Yeah, the hell, that was a time when Iron Man was like a right. B, B-lister, C-lister. Exactly. And now look. You know, there's nothing wrong with 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 Disney slash Marvel, you know, going going into their roster. I mean, you have years and years of material to to, to mine characters and stories from. That's what we're going to get. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need new stories. We need new characters, which are going to build new stars. Yeah, I'll say if push comes to shove, though, I mean, no, they might have to bring old RDJ back. I hope not. Say it's, I don't want to see him again. It's multiverse Tony. He's back, guys. I do not want to see Robert Downey Jr. As, again. as snarky and as witty as ever. Let him stay dead. In a, in a CG suit. He needs to. And, and they'll pay him $50 million probably yeah. like two days worth of work. Nope. Keep him dead. But this is, all, this is only if like, if the internet outcry is so, so, you know, intense that Marvel Studios says, all right, fine. Fine, we'll bring everybody. Uh, we'll bring Chris uh, Evans back. We'll get him back in there. Do I think he might come back? Possibly. We'll bring back. But we'll bring Scarlett Johansson back from the dead. I, I don't want to see her alive again. I don't want to see Robert Downey alive again. Uh, from what we have heard, that you know, uh, Kevin Feige and his team—they're preparing <laughs> to plan for the next ten years of the MCU. Right. They don't need to listen to us. I mean, they might need to listen to us, though, as in we like it so much. Well, I mean, of, of course, us, you know, because, I mean, we got the Justice League, Zack Snyder's Justice League going. Oh, yeah. See, a lot of people don't know that. Uh, that was due to us, okay? Let's not get it twisted. We may or may not have a direct line to Zack Snyder. No. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that up to your imagination, but we got the ball rolling on that. We made that shit. We definitely happen, did. Okay? Let's see what, look what happened. You can thank the boys over here. We like it so what? For Zack Snyder's Justice League. You're welcome. Because that's what we do. Yeah. We make shit happen. We're like X-Lax. Uh, yeah. That's a, it's a very uh, <laughs> bizarre metaphor. But we make shit happen, you bro. Are, you are correct. Yeah. We get shit done around here. Shit. We got connections. Yeah. So, yeah. Final thoughts on uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness 2. Visually stunning. Love the horrific elements. Benedict Cumberbatch is great as Doctor Strange. Uh, love seeing the cameos. Elizabeth Olsen is remarkable as Wanda Maximoff. She's great. This was pretty much her movie. Yeah. yeah and was, and yeah. then coming off, you know, off the strength of WandaVision, you know, right into this, she is cooking on all cylinders and we can't I'd be remiss if I didn't if I didn't talk about my man Wong Wong is Wong is so fucking cool he's like the MVP of the MCU right now yep Wong is the man and I'm glad that he's still alive 
Yeah, they didn't kill off their one uh one Asian guy. Well, they got him and uh, Shang Chi. That's it. That's right. So keep Wong alive, damn it. We love Wong. Wong is great. Yeah, he, he is the man, and he is the Sorcerer Supreme. Let's not forget. He is. He's the man. But yes, love the movie. Would love to see Sam Raimi come back. We'll see what happens in the future. I agree with that. Now, I'm not one of those people I'm not going to give it, oh, it was a 7.75 out of 10. Would you give it four stars out of five? I wouldn't even give it that. No star rating? I believe, I believe in terms of movie criticism, in terms of how to judge a movie, you've gone too far into giving it a number, a letter. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, express how you feel about it. Yeah. I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. Some things I liked, some things I didn't. But this is my my comic book minded mentality. I'm so used to seeing how things play out in the comics. Yeah, you you know the source material. I uh, yeah, I'm I'm aware of the source material. So there's a little bit of bias there. Mm-hmm. Some things are disappointing, some things are great. I do I enjoy being able to go to these movies and not worry about what's grounded in reality. Not worry about dumbing it down so that it makes sense for the people that aren't previously aware of it. Just at this point, just go all out. You got a movie where a sorcerer battles a tentacled monster and a witch and a witch and they're crossing universes and men are stretching their bodies. And there's guys that can peer into their other people's minds and all this weird stuff that happens. You have to kind of embrace that. And, to me, it's like this movie kind of it got all those elements in there, and I I enjoy going to movies like that where you're you're embracing the weird, you're embracing the, the strange, no pun intended, and you kind of you just you have fun with it. Let me ask you a question before we sign off. As as a lifelong fan of of comics, how do you feel about the way things are now? I mean. You know, we've had, you know, the, the DC movies, the MCU. How do you feel about the direction that these comic book movies are going in, given the fact that you are a big fan of, of, of um, various source materials of all these different characters? What you're seeing on the big screen writ large. I mean, what do you I mean, how do you feel about the time we live in now with these comic book movies? I think they've gone a little too far into the woke side. Oh, those fucking it's too fucking too, liberals, man. Too liberal, too woke. Oh, you gotta hate it. I'm not. I'm not liking that aspect. Of, I'm, I'm kidding. Well, it makes me want to throw up. You know, <laughs> I'm vomiting right now. <laughs> but no, I yeah, like I as a fan of all of it, I love that I'm able to kind of see these movies and the characters are kind of brought to life and the battles and the the powers and you know all these things that I read growing up. And as a kid, when you're reading these comics, you're imagining these things. You, and you see it in animation. Animation is kind of, I would say, the best tool in terms of bringing comic book characters to life. Seeing the powers and people can be thrown into buildings and universes are exploding and, and so on. But in, a, in live action, it gives more texture. It gives a sense of realness. Now, when I say realness, I, like I said, I don't mean dumb it down to where to its simplest form to where you have to make it make sense. There's a certain level of, of, of verisimilitude for the most part. Yeah, and that and that's all I would really ask is just like make it make sense. Right. Don't don't water it down and dilute it to where 
it's not special anymore. But make it fantastic enough that people can say, okay, I buy this. I mean, yes, it doesn't make sense in the grand scheme of things. Right. But okay, it makes sense for what I'm yeah. what I'm seeing right now. I mean, suspend disbelief, but also make me believe. So yeah, yeah, I've loved seeing everything from Superman like seventy eight, all the way up to Spider Man, to the X Men, to the Avengers, Batman, to now Batman, yeah, all of it, yeah. And but yeah, there's been some there's been some rough passes oh, yeah. along the way. Oh, but there, I think there has, there has. As long as they, you know, you get the right people behind all of these stories, and the the intent is there, and the, the if the intent is to honor the characters, maybe you don't have to pull everything verbatim from the comics and film it as a movie. Exactly, because not everything is going to translate. Right. So I think, but you, you know, you have to have a, a level of care and a level of attention that honors the characters and stories, and even to some extent honors the people that are reading those characters and stories because like as a, as a movie industry, as, as a movie art form, there's that, you know, relationship ship between consumer and, you know, provider. So you have to come, there's a give and take. It's like, if I'm giving you something you and you accept it. Then the relationship is there and the relationship is strong because I'm giving you something you enjoy. If you want more of that, I'm going to keep giving you stuff that you enjoy. So it's like if people love we like it, so what? We got to keep giving it to them. That's it. We give the people what they want. Got to give the people what they want. That's right. So, yeah. Why is that, ladies? (laughs) Why is that, ladies? (laughs) Because this means we like it, so what? That's what we do. So, yeah. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode of We Like It, So What? We kind of get did a deep dive into exploration mom. into mom, the multiverse of madness, yeah. Eric. M O M multiverse of Mil- into Mil- mom milfs. Wait, In, huh? No, that's that's another episode. Yeah, after dark. That's a we like it so what, what episode? Yeah, yeah, hit us up on a on a OnlyFans for that. So yeah, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this episode. Whoever's been listening on whatever Earth you're listening on. And uh, yeah, make sure you keep listening to We Like It So What. So follow us on Twitter and Instagram at We Like It So What. That's all one word. Yeah. Give us some likes. Give us some comments. You know, let yeah. us know how we're doing. Yeah, we try to keep the uh, the pages updated with all the latest goings on with your friends at We Like It So What. So that's gonna do it for this episode. So I've been Jamal Murphy. I think I'm Eric Bethel, but I'm not sure exactly which universe I belong to. I'm kind of lost right now. You might be Eric Bethel of Earth 69 with all those MILF jokes you've been saying, mom jokes. That's what it's called. It, it, it is. The M-O-M. We, went, we had a deep dive into mom. The multiverse of madness. Yes. That's what I mean. Okay. I just shortened it. So yeah, Eric Bethel. Yes, Earth, I'm here. Yep. Earth 616. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, and I've been Jamal Murphy of Earth 720. Earth Earth 420. And this this has been We Like It So What, and we will catch you next time. Peace.